0: What's up everybody, Troy Cartwright here, welcome back to another episode of Tenure Town. A couple of housekeeping items before we get started, we would love it if for Christmas you'd leave us a rating or review on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts, that helps us out a ton to uh, just reach more people and spread the word about the amazing craft of songwriting. I hope everybody is having a happy holiday. Um, We're going to be doing a little bit of a different kind of episode this week and next week, but we will be back with the interviews January 2nd. Thanks. On today's episode of 10-Year Town, we're going to cover very briefly one of my all-time favorite books. It's called The War of Art, by Steven Pressfield, and I'm so excited to talk to you guys about this. I actually ended up spending way more time making this episode than I've ever taken to make an episode of 10 Year Town, but it was fun, and I loved it. And uh, I hope you guys love this episode. You can buy this book um, from the link in the show notes, and if you do, it actually helps the pot out a little bit. But anyway, without further ado, here is the episode. I will never forget when I got this book, The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. I was a senior in college and I had just completed an internship in New York City at a mechanical royalties firm. And up until that point, my my kind of life plan was that I was going to graduate college and I was going to move to New York And I was going to get an entry-level job in the music business. And through that, I was going to meet the right people. And that's how I was going to get my big break. And throughout that summer, it just sort of dawned on me that in order to get to where I wanted to go, which was to be a songwriter and to be an artist, I knew that that path wasn't going to work for me. And it really kind of blew up my entire life plan that. I had for myself. And uh, I was back in Boston. It was late one night, and I was kind of confiding in some friends of mine about how lost I was feeling. And this guy named Chad Montermini, who was a drummer in this really, really cool band called Art Decade, gave me this book, The War of Art. And when I tell you it changed my life, um, I mean it. There's a lot more greatness in this book than I can cover in one episode, but I do kind of want to briefly go over a few of my favorite parts from the book and I think the most impactful parts of the book. So we'll start with the first thing, the main tenet of this book, which is this thing called the resistance. So what is resistance and how does it apply to you? Here's what Stephen writes in The War of Art. Resistance is the most toxic force on the planet. It's the root of more unhappiness than poverty, disease, and erectile dysfunction. To yield to resistance deforms our spirit. It stunts us and makes us less than we are and we're born to be. If you believe in God, and I do, you must declare resistance evil, for it prevents us from achieving the life God intended when he endowed each of us with our own unique genius. I cannot tell you how crazy it was when I heard those words for the first time. Um, I think it was just so clearly identifying all these things that had been holding me back and and why i was I was feeling so lost because what I really needed to do the most was just sit down and do my work, and for me, that was to get really serious about writing songs Um, I had always written songs since I was 14 years old or so but um, even throughout college even though I was at a music college I was not taking songwriting seriously and any excuse that you can find that is taking you away from putting the the pen to paper whatever that might be for you is what resistance is. The second thing I want to talk about in this book is a topic he covers in Section 2, where he goes over the difference between being an amateur and being a pro. Here's what he says. The amateur plays part-time, the professional full-time. The amateur is a weekend warrior, the professional is there seven days a week. The word amateur comes from the Latin root meaning to love. The conventional interpretation is that the amateur pursues his calling out of love, while the pro does it for money. Not the way I see it. In my view, the amateur does not love the game enough. If he did, he would not pursue it as a sideline distinct from his real vocation. The professional loves it so much, he dedicates his life to it. He commits full-time. That's what I mean when I say turning pro. Resistance hates it when we turn pro. So... For me, what turning pro looked like, I remember this so vividly. It was like step one. I was going back to school for my last two semesters of college. And um, I knew that I needed to eliminate all of the things that were distracting me from writing songs. So the first thing that I did was uh, I emailed this songwriting teacher named Pat Patterson who I'd taken a poetry class with, but I didn't get a very good grade in it. And uh, I emailed him and I said, Pat, it's my last semester of college. Can you wave me in to your songwriting for class? And I don't know if it was fate stepping in or somebody looking out for me, but um, he did. I did not have the prerequisites for that class, but it was one of the most important moments in my entire life. The first five minutes of being in that Songwriting 4 class, Pat Pattison writes down the first four lines of Bonnie Raitt's, I Can't Make You Love Me. And he said, when you hear, turn down the lights, turn down the bed, turn down these voices inside my head, what do you picture? Right We're we're picturing everybody has their own version of what the bed looks like what the nightstand looks like what color the lampshade is what color the bedspread is if there's art on the wall where the bed sits on the wall and you're getting all of that information in like four lines of verse and that is is what what songwriting is and it was like he turned the the lights on in the back of my head and it changed my whole life being in 5 minutes of um, that songwriting for class. So that is just another example, I guess, of overcoming the resistance. If you just start walking, you're going to find all these incredible little tips and tricks and tasty treats along the way. Another topic that he covers in this book that really resonated deeply with me was this concept of How to be miserable. He talks about having to join the Marine Corps and how that teaches you to be miserable. He says this is invaluable for an artist. The artist committing himself to his calling has volunteered for hell, whether he knows it or not. He will be dining for the duration on a diet of isolation, rejection, self doubt, despair, ridicule, contempt, and humiliation. Of course, we don't have to join the Marine Corps to learn how to be miserable, but I do think it's reassuring to to read things like that because it's something that we face every day in this journey. Um, I, of course, can speak from personal experience. There's a very real and raw rejection that um, I'm up against all the time, and that brings in a lot of... Self doubt for me and making me feel like I'm inadequate or that I just really don't know what I'm doing. But reading about being miserable actually helped me a lot because it helped me realize that that is sort of baked in to the experience of being an artist and being a creator and probably just being human. But I think mentally understanding that 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 is sort of um, part of the pie, as they say, helps a lot to to overcome it and and not take a lot of that stuff so personally. Another concept in here that was really illuminating for me was this idea of the ego versus the self, and of course he did not invent those terms, but he does put it in the context of being creative and of being a professional versus being an amateur. He says, a professional does not show off. A professional's work has style. It is distinctly his own, but he doesn't let a signature grandstand for him. His style serves the material. And that is so easy to do in today's world of stats. We're all guilty of it, right? We're just trying to show off how many streams we have Or how many views this TikTok got or how many monthly listeners we have or which artist just cut this song. A lot of those things might feel good in the moment, but in reality, they're a distraction from the actual work, right? My art is not actually defined by how many monthly listeners I have. And it's so easy to fall into that trap where you're trying to validate yourself based off of some stat when instead the real validation is in the work itself. It's in making something that is truly great and you're never going to find the answers to those sorts of things in external validation. Trust me, I think I've tried and um, it's always, always a dead end road. So rereading that was was a great reminder for me. Another thing And kind of that same vein that he talks about is um, this concept of operating in a hierarchy versus operating territorially, territorially. Um, And it was really interesting for me to reread because I read this book probably 10 years ago and again, probably five years ago. So a couple nights ago when I started reading it again, this section actually was so much more applicable to my life, which I think is why it's so important for me to um, come back to these really impactful books from time to time. But essentially hierarchy is worrying about where you sit in some sort of imaginary pecking order, but that's really a waste of time, right? It's, it's just distracting from the actual work. Um, I'm not going to write a better song because I'm theoretically bigger or smaller than another artist. It's, it's actually really irrelevant. And when you operate that way, it's, it's a distraction. The alternative is working in more of a territorial way of thinking, which is where you're able to focus on, okay, what kind of art do I make? And how can I stay in that zone where I'm doing really great work and making sure that I'm constantly cultivating my area so that it's yielding a lot of fruit for me and my career. And I just thought that was such an interesting and refreshing take on on having that mindset that helps you to serve your work instead of having a mindset that actually kind of detracts from what you're trying to do. One of the last concepts I want to go over is kind of in the same vein of the ego and the self, but it's talking about understanding how smart your intuition is. When I think of intuition, I think it's actually just another word for your subconscious or your true self, but he talks about letting your intuition go to work for you, and that really resonated with me. Because I know what type of writer I am. I'm not a go-over-every-single-word kind of person. Um, I guess I'm just too ADD for that, and it's never really worked for me. But what I do love to do is to be very tactile, right? I love getting my hands on a song, and maybe I don't know where it's going. But if I take what I was writing and I throw it in my headphones and go for a walk, or I get a good night's sleep and come back to it in the morning, I often actually find that my intuition has sort of solved the problem for me. And I know I keep saying it, but it was just another great reminder for me. So if you are aspiring to do something great, to write the next big country song or pop song, or you want to write a play or a great novel or make the next great painting, um, I know there's a ton of people in my life that I'm always encouraging to pursue their creative endeavors more professionally. Um, Steven Pressfield says this, creative work is not a selfish act or a bid for attention on the part of the actor. It's a gift to the world and every being in it. Don't cheat us of your contribution. Give us what you got. And I'll leave you with that. That's it. That's the pod. Thanks for listening. Merry Christmas, everybody. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Keep rating. Keep reviewing. Keep subscribing. We love you. Talk to you soon.